I ask anybody's question but yours. You're an idiot. And really a disloyal person. Welcome back to another non-drama-filled, non-newsworthy week of Syracuse Athletics. Who are we kidding? Everything happens all the time with Syracuse Athletics. As you can tell by the motley crew assembled before you, nothing of basketball importance happened in this past week also. Christian <laughs> Guzman here with Steve Fowler, Andy Pregler, <laughs> and Mike Ostrowski. You're listening to the Disloyal Idiots podcast on the Fans First Sports Network. If you came here expecting basketball, wait until James puts out a podcast later this week because boy, <laughs> I don't think any of us want to talk about that. I I would love to talk about basketball. However, I don't if if you're not living under a rock and subscribe to any sort of Syracuse uh, athletics feed, be a via be it official or unofficial or whatever, uh, you got lambasted with news this week. So we're here hmm. to talk about all of it. I'm just excited to see what happens in Jim Beheim's studio, uh, a guest appearance or maybe future appearance when he eventually makes his way towards the ECC Network Studios as an analyst. That will be an interesting time, to say the least. Off-season content, man. Off-season content. Well, let's get right to it. If you've been living under a rock, we did an emergency podcast on Tuesday. Uh, Steve, Mike, and I, when uh, Fran Brown was officially hired as the 31st head coach of Syracuse football. Um, For anyone who's watching the pod, if you saw my reaction, I realized that was only Tuesday. <laughs> it has been five <laughs> days since then, at least 100 hours, and yes, a lot has happened since then. And also a month. <laughs> yes. Steve is exhibiting that meme of, gosh, Instead of, gosh, it's only been a week, sir, it is Monday. Um, it's been a month? No, it's only been a week. Yep. And here we are. Andy, you weren't here when we talked about this. Get your reactions to Fran Brown, the new head coach of Syracuse football. So for those that don't know my general chaotic energy, uh <laughs> I, I work for a company that has its headquarters in Atlanta, Georgia. I work with a lot of insane Georgia fans. And it's really funny because when this news was, was happening, um, I kind of told them about it. And instead of being annoyed that they were losing one of their coaches, they're like, this is great for our coaching tree. This is going to make us look better as a program. These are feelings that I did not know you were allowed to have. I thought that if anybody ever poached you, you were supposed to be angry and mad and be upset about the state of college football. I didn't know that you could be happy that your school, you know, branches out and is a successful development program on and off the field. Um, but it's I, I wrote a thing on my Substack about how I thought Syracuse needed a proven program builder. And we don't need to get all in to what happened today with the playoff selection. But I think today simply reiterated that the fundamental world of college football has shifted. There is no guarantee that a 10 or an 11 win Syracuse makes a 12 team playoff because the committee has shown that there are style points that matter and they get to determine the style points. And you don't know what the style points are, but you'll know what they are when the rankings come out. Right. And for us, 
also uh timestamp on this if anyone was not watching uh earlier today to athletics news we've re- now realized that the football bowl committee is officially whose line is it anyway where the uh things are made up and the points don't matter so florida state was snubbed from the college football playoff and here we are back to andy no, it's just the rule used to be if you were an undefeated Power 5 champion, you went to the playoff. You were one of the top teams in the country via the committee's eyes. That is not the case anymore. And why does that matter for Syracuse, a team that's probably never going to be there? We saw a program like Texas get the number three ranking because it won the one game it needed to win, which was on the road against Alabama. Because the committee wanted Alabama in, they wanted Texas in, or they had to put Texas in, this is what happens. This relates back to Syracuse and Fran Brown, because I think that there is a notion around this program that in a 12-team playoff world, being in the ACC and simply being the second or third best ACC team is going to be enough. And today we found out that that is just simply not true. Um, We now know pretty unequivocally that if you're not in the SEC or the Big Ten, or your conference doesn't have a transcendent year where every team is ranked in the top 25. um, The committee is just not going to value those games on the schedule. And so for a Syracuse team, getting a guy like Fran Brown is a big swing. There is an equal opportunity here that this hire falls flat because he has no head coaching experience. He's we're going to get into his hires. He's hiring guys with not a lot of coordinator experience, but he is doing the one thing that, as Steve can show you the spreadsheet, has been historically almost impossible to do here, which is get blue chip talent. If Fran Brown is able to get blue chip talent to look at Syracuse in a way that says, this is a viable path for my collegiate career, that is program altering, and that is worth the swing. And again... It, every time Steve brings it up, it breaks my brain a little bit. But we are now 20 years post Pascaloni, and we're looking at literally single hand counting level of blue chip prospects. If you are watching the if you are watching the Twitch stream, you actually get to see the spreadsheet here um, because this is again something that only a psycho person would put together and. Right. This is this is what we are here to do. And Steve, would you like to explain the sheet? <laughs> yeah. So, I, I, for for a brief moment, a, a, a blip in history, I forgot the sheet existed. Oh, oh no! I think about I think about this sheet more than the Roman Empire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and I have to do some cleanup before um, before uh, National Signing Day because we do use this quite a bit around that time of year. Uh, which in some parts is considered the most wonderful time of the year, just prior to the other most wonderful time of the year. Um, But for anyone who's watching, uh, you will note that since the advent of the uh, star system for recruits, Syracuse has had two five-star recruits total ever. Uh, These were back in the early days of said ranking systems, back in the um, uh, around the Roman Empire, as Andy would put it. Uh, back in 2000 and 2001, uh, both under Paul Pascaloni, uh, one was Johnny Morant, who had a, a, a solid career in Orange. Uh, I don't know if he lived up to a five-star ranking, but 
uh, was a very, very good wide receiver for us for a good for four years. Um, and Cecil Howard, who, who if you want to look up a weird story, go look him up. Um, played here for a year, transferred to Youngstown State, transferred somewhere else, didn't end up doing a whole lot, uh, had a lot of talent, did not um, uh, bounce around a lot. There was uh, some other, it was all in all, it was a, it was a, a good story to take a look at. Um, but yeah, uh, those were the entirety of five stars that we've had. Now you'll see uh, after that, you get into Dino's, a lot of Dino's recruits and transfers, uh, Braylon Ingram, Jalen Gould. Um, even even with all of these transfers in, we still had only uh, what fourteen four stars ever, ever. And, and I just want to throw out that if you look at that four star list, there is a lot of did not pan out or still has open question marks, cough, cough, Jalen Gould, Braylon Ingraham, that I don't think people realize. Oh, remember KJ Williams? Oh, I do not remember KJ Williams, but now I do. <laughs> yeah, that was in your early days, right, Pregler, 2014? Yeah, that was my junior year. That was the heat yeah. of the Schaefer, Schaefer era. And the, you know, comparing the football program to ISIS things that happened. Oh, yeah. my God. I forgot that press conference. That's one of the most legendary press conferences ever. Yeah. Shout I out. remember, I remember and, my best friend in undergrad um, is we, he and I, like, just kept a running list of just the dumbest things that Schaefer said in his pressers. And it was just glorious. I believe that is Schaefer's only recruit in the. Uh, oh, it is. And, and shout out to shout Dude. out to Sean Farrell, former Noons Magician uh, contributor, who asked the infamous question that had nothing to do with ISIS, but got turned into an ISIS-related question. That was Sean that asked that. That was Sean. That's that incredible. Was, oh, that's that was great. that was Sean Farrell. My, do you remember the? Uh, and this is where I unmute and say I have to go watch that press conference. Yes, this is where we. <laughs> this is where we say we will link this press conference to you, and it'll be really, really funny. Because not only is that year did that press conference come out, he earlier said that year comparing five star recruits to apples in a grocery store. Yep. And later that year, Bayheim came out with his legendary Ron Patterson three-point press conference. That was an all-time fantastic year for press conferences. Uh, for anyone who is listening or watching, I will put this in the podcast notes. Andy, I will send the link to you for it uh, to put in the, um, <laughs> the Noons, Noons uh, article. Yes, yeah. wow. it, it was a thing. God. More, moral of the story is that I'm looking on here. I see one NFL starting quarterback. I see one injured starting caliber uh, defensive back. But I see a lot of three stars on this list. And I think that this is where, Steve, you have been somebody that's been like really on this. That recruiting at Syracuse is really hard. Like this is not a job that is easy to do. Um, and to be fair to Marone, Schaefer, and Babers, no one has really cracked that code in the mo in the modern Syracuse era. No, so, Babers has probably been the closest. And I would argue that the Babers tra like transfer portal stuff has been arguably like more misses than hits. But like this yeah. is where Fran Brown comes in. 
I, I think one of the things that's super underrated is that when we talk about recruiters, we often look at, at star systems. But what makes Georgia different than a Texas A&M, which we'll get to in a bit, is that Georgia identifies high-end talent and then develops them into high-end collegiate output. And I don't know, again, this is something that I don't know, but I feel just from being a fan of this program for so long, I feel like Syracuse has often taken an approach of if you are a four-star or if you're a five-star, we'll take you, no questions asked. And then we don't really know, we either don't have good development plans or we're not picking the types of players that will actually develop in the systems that we have. And I feel like, again, that is a... I, Tommy DeVito is the perfect example. Thank you, Mike. He's an NF again. This is just kind of funny to say. He is an NFL starting quarterback. And the and, sixth best recruit that we've ever gotten. And, and Dino benched him four games in the 2021 season. Yeah. I just think that this is a great example of this is not a simple job of get five stars and four stars in. This is a fundamental program shift that we need to watch happen at Syracuse. And I do think that hiring somebody who's been at the best version of it is not the worst idea in the world, especially like I, I, this is something that was asked on uh, a different podcast and I don't know the answer to this question, but like Syracuse just hired back to back black head coaches at the power five level. What, other school has done that and i think the answer is that you need to think long and hard before you can come up with an answer because the answer might be hasn't happened in a very long time uh if ever so i i just think that this hire checks a lot of boxes that syracuse has wanted to hire and also needs needs to needs to hire also, Steve, thank you for linking the spreadsheet out in the group chat. Oh, yeah, and we can throw that out to whoever. It's view only, so uh, throw that in the article, too, because I just want to bang home the point that everyone who's screaming for Syracuse to immediately recruit four- and five-star talent has no idea what Syracuse has done in the past 23 years. And, and I do. Re- three, recruits <laughs> to prove it. three recruits already decommitted from Syracuse into this cycle. And yeah. all three of them are from New Jersey, which is, you know, Fran Brown's hotspot. So, like, don't think that this is just a shoe-in immediately. It should be theoretically easier, but... Well, yeah, no matter what it's going to be, in all honesty, the other thing, too, is, especially with all these coaching changes and the portal and all this other stupidity, uh, we have um, we have a lot of... People should, like, hell, Syracuse's roster, half of them should enter the portal. They can always pull their name out. So I don't blame any of these kids for putting their name in the portal. It just seems like, why not? Uh, it seems like it was, a, a, it seems like it's a good, in the kid's best interest to do this. There's no no reason why not. I mean, sure, I'm, I'm sure the, you know there will be plenty of people that are extremely disappointed or pissed off or whatever at these kids for entering the portal. It's in their best interest to go do it. Like there's a chance that Fran Brown is not the best fit for these people. It's fine. Go find the program that works for you. We need a program that works for other people coming in and that 
any of these assistants are bringing with them that have recruited or any of uh, any of the guys that you know may have been jersey recruits for fran at georgia that he wants to bring in or stuff like that so UBS has stopped using the what can brown do for you slogan i think syracuse needs to trademark that and get on that immediately <laughs> If not officially, definitely unofficially. Yes. And I guess here's a question for you guys that got brought up in the chat on Twitch. Uh, Jay Haggart brought up, I think recruits from Texas A&M and Georgia will flip to Syracuse. What, I guess, what degree do we think we're going to be able to move? Uh, and we haven't even touched on why Texas A&M, we will in a bit. But what what degree do we think this is going to move the needle for some of these recruits? Um, I can, I can uh, already show one of those needles being come kind of flipped or move. I'll pull this up on the stream right now uh, because there is a notable four-star recruit already that is uh, that has Syracuse in his top three um, already. Um, and the names that are in his top three are pretty, pretty uh, notable as well. This is a four-star defensive end recruit. Um, and when you've got this school who got just got snubbed, Florida State, mm -hmm. and Colorado, the Deion Sanders effect is very, very who mind you, he just canceled his official visit to. Yes. And us? What? Okay. Like I'm not used to this. <laughs> and and I think that this is the biggest thing, is that I, I think. When you look at when you look at Fran Brown, what he has done prior to this job is form relationships with a bunch of kids between the ages of sixteen and eighteen that are maybe at one point in time looking at Georgia. And now Fran is at Syracuse where he can turn around and say, Look, I was recruiting you at Georgia. You know who I am. Georgia is Georgia. You were going to go there and you're going to be a developmental player at Georgia. I'm now at Syracuse. I just want to tell you, Syracuse is very different than Georgia. And, <laughs> and I'm the guy making the decisions at Syracuse. Exactly. That's a very different sell than, hey, come play for me. I also have to answer to at least two other guys. Like, there's yeah. there's a lot there. Yeah, and I, I, and I think add in the fact that he's been successful doing that, taking some of his best talent with him when he went from Temple to Baylor to Rutgers and then back to Temple. Like during those years, a lot of the guys, that, like his absolute best prospects, that some of whom ended up getting drafted, followed him in between schools. So yeah. I think that's an incredible sign that even at some of those lower programs, he took the absolute best guys with him. He's not going to take the absolute best guys from Georgia, but they're like third, second and third stringers are still at least have the opportunity to be great yeah. on a, in the Northeast ACC level. Well, and that's the other thing I think people are not, they, they might be sleeping on is when you're a Fran Brown, you're also, you're looking at the five stars, but you're also looking at and creating relationships with other guys that may not have been able to cut the muster at Georgia or that they may not have wanted to pull in at Georgia, that now, like Andy mentioned, it's a whole different ballgame. I'm going to to share something with you all, um, just so you can just so you can see this. So I'm pulling up right now 
the Syracuse offer list. So these are all the kids that Syracuse has offered um, scholarships to on twenty on twenty four seven Sports. This is available without a paywall. Um, I'm okay, just if you're listening on your podcast platform of choice, make sure you tune into the stream or watch on the VODs to see all the lovely screen sharing stuff that we're doing. Yeah, it's at roughly the 20 minute mark. Tune in to the uh, the video for the what you're seeing or what Andy's I would I would like to call out an offensive tackle from Oradell, New Jersey, <laughs> a four star who is committed to Georgia and has a Syracuse offer who goes to Bergen Catholic. I would like oh, to call Bergen out Catholic, huh? I would like to call out uh, a kid, an offensive tackle, who is committed to Georgia, a three-star, who goes to St. Francis. Uh, (laughs) Exactly. Um, I would like to call out, I mean, this is from Illinois, but I would like to call out another offensive tackle, four-star, who's uh, outside of the Chicago area. Hey, talk to to Chris Elmore. He's from the Chicago area. I hold on. There's I, a Rutgers guy up there we can grab too. What the hell? Why not? <laughs> oh, this one's from this one's from Miami. So I, I hey, this Syracuse is, will get very intimate uh, with the Florida area in about a couple of weeks. So we yeah, can get Dom I, on that for now. <laughs> yeah. So this this is mostly my point here is that I do think that there is a lot of things that are the early signing day is still two and a half weeks away at this point. Do I think that they're going to flip everybody? Absolutely not. Do I think that when you look at the holes that Syracuse has on this roster and you then start looking at the overlaps of who has Fran Brown been in contact with and what does Syracuse really need right now, there are some really obvious fits. And if you haven't been following Syracuse football on Instagram, uh, you should because Fran Brown is in Syracuse. He went to the high school championships at the Dome today. He is on campus. He is beginning to recruit. We're going to finally talk about this, this new staff that he has. He, he is on the ground as the Syracuse coach. Whether he head coaches the bowl game or not, yet to be seen or announced. What I think is the most obvious thing here is that this is a very aggressive window. And Georgia, for the moment is down relative to their expectations and Syracuse. If they're going to take advantage of that, they need to now because they won't be able to next year. And again, like I don't want to play the, like, let's talk about Syracuse's 2024 schedule before the 2023 season is done. But man, it is way easier than this season's was. And this was a bad team that went six and six. Like there is an opportunity here that if you fill in enough gaps, you can build a really competitive 2024 team that then prepares you for the absolute stupid mad maxism that is going to be 2025. Somewhere oh, Casilla was, was smiling because we haven't talked about schedule this much in forever. <laughs> yeah, can we can we trademark the uh the 2025 Syracuse Fury Road? I think we should a, do a Photoshop and in, in either <laughs> Andy or my's future here. <laughs> we just need to figure out. Well, one of those things that I didn't share in the, uh, in the offers is that there is a quarterback. Um, Syracuse does ha- obviously have a quarterback commit from the state of Georgia, a uh, high three-star um, Jakari Williams, yeah. uh, first prepare- Presbyterian day school. I would like him to sign on, but that would, you know, that's a name that we should hold on to, and I would be interesting to see what happens next. There's also uh, Joey Tommaso, who is a unranked quarterback who has attended a Syracuse game 
might be coming to campus tbd anyways we need a quarterback yeah <laughs> we can probably work on that um exactly but yeah, um, i guess else we can work hey, on? if quinn if quinn Ewers is staying for another year at texas as it's rumored uh does does someone uh does someone near texas have arch manning's number uh i have an off 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 air i was gonna say we're not like record i don't know how to call this i have an off air theory on that that i don't feel like putting out into the public ether yet <laughs> yes yeah there's yes, no there's yes. no air andy it's the the interwebs it's a series of tubes that are connected. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> fair enough fair enough all the tubing um speaking i don't there's no good segue work into a transaction no, transition no. Yeah, I got nothing. Do we talk about do we talk about our new defensive coordinator? Uh, we might as well. Sure, why not? Because I I was very excited about this when when Christian and I last week were literally like, well, there's no chance we're getting this guy. Yeah. Uh, turns out we're getting Elijah Robinson. Uh, he is joining the Syracuse staff uh, as a defensive coordinator. According to Billy Lucci of TexAgs.com. Uh, one of the things that's interesting about Elijah Robinson, he has been the interim coach, not just at Texas A&M, but at other stops in the past. He's never been a defensive coordinator, but for the last five years, he's been at Texas A&M staff. He's been the assistant head coach, run game coordinator, defensive line coach. Um, he was the running coordinator also? What? He was the he was the co-DC this year. Yes, co-DC this year. He's had head coach. He has worn a lot of hats. He is from Camden, New Jersey, the same area that Fran Brown is from. He's also 38 years old, just about the same age that Fran Brown is. And me. This is this is hiring. <laughs> this is hiring your buddy to to the staff. Um, but your buddy is actually qualified to do a job. He's just never been given the job before. Steve yeah. had that yes, worried uh, look they, of is Steve had that worried look of saying that hearing Elijah Robinson's age. And then in a couple hours, his wife looking at him and being like, if he's doing that, you're at his age right now. What are you doing? <laughs> Hosted a podcast. Duh. I'm talking to talking to a bunch of guys on Sunday or Saturday night about this other guy that's making a boatload of money. Uh, no, uh, speaking of a boatload of money, apparently, Mike, uh, it's reported, I, I believe it was by our uh, Texas A&M brethren over in SB Nation, Good Bull Hunting, that uh, they were, uh, I can't remember. Uh, who actually mentioned it but they were planning on making robinson the uh highest paid uh position coach in the country and syracuse said nah you're gonna come be our dc so here we are yeah th that's the thing is that they still wanted him to be the defensive lineman coach i guess he figured this is the best chance to get a shot at dc it helps when the new head coach is someone you went to high school with <laughs> but it also does help that you now have the it also helped that you now have the number one and number five recruiter in the entire country on the same staff in Syracuse, oh. New York. And also the guy who's number five was number one last year. Yeah. Yep. I think that there's also like not to get super deep into this, but because we don't know what the rest of Fran Brown's coaching staff is gonna look like. Um, I think we, we just saw Tony. We know one part. <laughs> yeah, we saw Fran Brown, or we saw Tony White, former Syracuse defensive coordinator, successfully pit USC and Nebraska against each other <laughs> to the point that he is getting one point six million dollars at Nebraska. 
That's Hi, university. Let's go. <laughs> I just absolutely insane. Good for Tony White. Tony White is one of the few black coordinators in the sport. Syracuse, again, as I mentioned earlier, has just hired its second ever black head coach of the football program after its first black head coach of the football program was just fired. They're now hiring yet another black defensive coordinator. Um, you, I would advise everybody to go listen to stuff or read stuff that Richard Johnson, uh, RJ underscore writes on Twitter, um, writes about the black coaching world in college football. It is something that I am not, I, I read his stuff and I go, that's really good. He has a fundamental understanding to this that I don't know, but I think we all here watch enough football to know that the representation of black coaches relative to who plays the sport and who coaches the sport is out of whack. Like the balance is just not there. And I think that one of the things that he hit on in a recent podcast was talking about how the black guy is always the interim head coach, but never the head coach. He's always the co DC and not the DC. And part of that is cultural. And part of that is because these guys don't get the opportunities to, because there's always somebody else with more experience. There's always somebody else with a better name that, that gets the line in, in front of it. And I think the Fran Brown hire and the hiring of Elijah, uh, of Elijah Robinson is an example of Syracuse putting itself out there into the college football space and saying, we are willing to give these types of coaches opportunities if you prove yourself and you have shown that you can lead and in, like be the interim head coach and run a program for several weeks, if you can prove that you are an elite recruiter and you can do all the coaching and all the day-to-day that you need to do but have never gotten the coordinator position, we will give you that job. And I think for Syracuse, a school that, as Steve mentioned, is probably paying its entire coaching staff less than what the Nebraska coordinators are making combined – um, this is really important because it just brings me back to this quote from Moneyball. Like you can't, if you're not going to have the same level of resources, you can't play the same game and expect to have any result that's not losing consistently. And I think for Syracuse, this is something that there is, again, it's something that we talk about here occasionally. And it's something we probably should talk about more about like Syracuse has one of the richest traditions when it comes to black college football in the entire country. Like I would argue that it's probably one of the best traditions period end of story. And I think to finally have a coaching staff and an administration reflect that and buy into that, that is how you differentiate Syracuse. That is how you elevate Syracuse away from the rest of the middle of the ACC that looks indistinguishable from one another. And I'm really hoping that someone like Fran Brown with Elijah Robinson, who are to their core college football salesmen, that they are able to do this in a way that we've never seen before. Because all, all, sorry, last thing I'll say is like all credit to Dino. Dino got really insular when things got tough. Like Dino's, Dino's instinct was to pull everything in and cut off access And that doesn't work here at all because we have people like all four of us who (laughs) lived in Syracuse at some period of time and did some form of adjacent media and still get to continue to do this because Syracuse is just never going to be a place 
that's going to let you just kind of coast by without having attention on you. You're always going to have a Mike who literally lives in a dorm room within walking distance of your office, looking for scoops, trying to do good journalism. Like this is a place where you need to be okay with that. (laughs) Yeah. I think we might have a journalism school. Journalism school at issue. Uh, Mike, yeah, make acknowledgement to your hat, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I saw that earlier. I was like, ah, I got a call about. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, for the record, it's it's, it's not uh, like three of the members on this podcast went to that school. <laughs> it's true, except for me. <laughs> I hug trees. Uh, so Pregler, <laughs> and you lived closer to the dome than any of us. <laughs> it's so <laughs> this true. Is true. Oakland Street, which is now ESF dorms, used to be awesome housing. Uh, and uh, yeah, that was close to the dome. Um, Pregler, for the record, uh, Richard is not uh, RJ underscore rights. He's RJ underscore CFB. Oh, okay. I was going by the Very old. Yep. I was going. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I was going by the old, the old handle. This is, yep. I've been off Twitter now for like six months. This is what happens. I forget all the, forget all the things. And, mm-hmm. and also, um, just to add to, uh, just to add to this point as well, um, the the rumored Syracuse OC that Brown is hiring is also of African American descent. So, um, so that just adds to the to the type of staff that um, I don't know who that is. I'll type it in the chat for you. Um, but like that is base basically just adds to that. Uh, um area of yes this is kind of the uh culture that brown is going to already already try and build sorry i was looking at the name that you that you sent us in our little private chat and i'm like oh that's interesting huh a lot of a lot of ties there a lot a lot yeah a lot of ties to brown as well um and and robinson as well yep I, um, which well, for anyone who uh, wonders why we're jumping around things, nothing is confirmed there. Uh, if you Google offensive coordinator and Syracuse, you, it'll come up somewhere. I just like the idea that all these guys are also pretty young. Like that's always a good thing at a place like Syracuse. Thank you for saying that. Cause most of them are older than me. So I feel better about this. <laughs> Ah, damn Steven it. Steven is old. Steven <laughs> is old. 35 minutes in, Steven is old. Uh, yeah. um, you know what is old and new and young at the same time? Your Home shirt. Field Apparel's wonderful <laughs> collection of t-shirts, bomber jackets, hoodies, sweatpants. You name it, they have it. Vintage-looking apparel that feels cozy and new and modern. It is the perfect attire to wear all winter long. If you're like Christian, you rock the bomber jacket. If you're like Steve or myself, you rock the t-shirts underneath a bomber jacket or a hoodie of some kind, depending on how high your body temperature is running in that current moment. Uh, No matter what you get, it will be soft. It will be comfortable. It will be made quality out of Indianapolis. And you can save 10% off your first order with the promo code NUNES23, N-U-N-E-S-2-3, to get 10% off your first order at Home Field Apparel. If you didn't get in on their Black Friday specials, there's still plenty of time to order before Christmas and have that wonderful Home Field Apparel under the tree. Gentlemen, we have talked a lot about where the future of the Syracuse football team is going holistically, but there is a future that is taking place 
in approximately 18 days where Syracuse will be playing Holy in crap, Boca Raton. Days. Wow. Yes. In Boca Raton, Florida, Syracuse, Boca Bowl, USF, Big East rivalry renewed. Uh, in the house this- that Lane Kiffin built. <laughs> everything about okay hold on everything about these last couple of sentences (laughs) it's just hurt my brain (laughs) and this is where we devolve into the sitcoast committee (laughs) it is is where the young guy here is completely lost oh (laughs) no peak big east for the three years they were in the conference (laughs) again i'd like to point this out in chat just so we can get this out there Let's remind everyone that Syracuse played recently a home and home against USF in 2015 and 2016. Both of those games were absolutely horrible. Syracuse lost both of those games with USF scoring 45 points in each of them. And the head coach for USF on both of those occasions was one, Willie Taggart. Oh. I, I just want everybody here to think about the fact that, yes, we are doing a historical uh, Big East game here, and it is going to be absolutely hilarious and absolutely <laughs> silly. There are um, one of the things that I got texted was that Rob Conrad is probably hosting some kind of pregame because I'm pretty sure he lives in Boca. There's probably a lot of Syracuse people that live in Boca that I'm not thinking about, um, but it is this is one of these really silly games that i cannot fathom is is happening well not like miami Rutgers and yankee stadium hurting dom's brain immediately i mean it is there is a lot happening here um that i just think is is very funny um i i do think that one of the things that is going to be really interesting about this game is that USF is not having a great time. Like, <laughs> Mike, why don't you bring up the stat that you pulled up in our Slack channel that is just really, really fascinating oh, about USF? The stat, yes. So, USF is the six and six team of all time because not only did they go six and six, they have the exact same number of offensive and defensive yards this season through 12 <laughs> games. I don't know how that's even possible, but I am I am scrolling up now to look make sure I get the number right. Um, 5,464 offensive and defensive yards. That's insane. Well, I just decided to look at the uh, SP+. Plus. In case you're wondering, Sarah, as we talked about last week, Syracuse finished the year um, not great. They finished the season ranked 68th. Um, does anybody want to have a guess where USF finished the year ranked in please, uh, SP Plus? Please be in the 80s, just for it to be like manageable. Okay, to my soul. At six and six, uh, two spots behind Cuse. They are 102nd in <laughs> SP+. <plus. laughs> Big gulps, huh? Well, later. <laughs> along with along with 6 and 6 schools, Georgia State 101st, EMU 103, 
Old Dominion 105. Um, they are the definition of bottom tier six and six. 63rd in the country in offense, 123rd in the country in defense. Um, I just want to throw this out here because, like, I don't know who's going to play in this bowl game. I don't know who's not going to play in this bowl game. Uh, USC and Syracuse are going to play in this bowl game, Andy. I was going to say, what I do know is that if the USF team that has played 12 games this season matches up against the Syracuse team that has played 12 games this season, I think SP Plus would say that Syracuse is a two-touchdown favorite. And Syracuse being a two-touchdown favorite over anyone after what we just witnessed is going to melt my brain. And that is what might happen when this opening line comes out. Well, if Garrett Schrader's arm is still like kind of sort of not mangled anymore, uh, USF allows over 300 passing yards per game. So very much if we have someone that can throw the football, um, they will indeed throw the football a lot. Yeah, uh, the two people, their names are Dan Valori and LaQuint Allen. <laughs> I actually, I am curious about this. Like, does does Brown, I mean, Brown be on the sidelines in some capacity, but is, you know, does Nunzio just chill and do his thing for the bowl with the guys they know and have, like, Brown be window dressing on that or... Like what? What degree do we think there's going to be influence here? Like, let Brown focus on flipping recruits and all that fancy stuff, and have Nunzio still do his thing with the current team. It's going to be weird because Nunzio is uh, is pretty much all but confirmed staying on the Syracuse staff. So, like, yeah, this is yeah, uh, he was in he was in the dome with uh, Brown today. Yeah, right. So, I mean, if yeah, for anyone again, all, they all but confirmed two years, yeah. So two years at Rutgers, so. So, so there could also be an area of like, hey, we want you to also go out and help me recruit all these blue chip New Jersey prospects that we want to want to grab. Right, because if anyone didn't see any pressers, uh, Christian, as the resident New Jersey, uh, New Jerseyan, mm-hmm. you guys are, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can confirm after watching the Nunzio press conferences and any post game anything that we've seen uh, does does it in fact get any more Jersey than Nunzio Campanelli? It'd be hard to find someone uh, to exceed that level. Perfect. We're in the <laughs> right, we're 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 in the right vein. Then we're mm-hmm. heading down the right path. Yes. Oh, did I just say that about New Jersey that we're heading down the right path? Yes. Oh, yeah. My master we're, plan. Yes. Steve, you might even say that we're halfway there. Oh, um, yeah. oh we we definitely are. <laughs> God. It's not. It's not. A, it's not a New Jersey reference without yeah, a Bon Jovi. Syracuse is literally living on a prayer by <laughs> going on recruiting instead of getting talented guys with proven coaching experience at a coordinator level. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you can definitely say that LeQuint was born to run, but it's going to be a matter of whether or not he can pass. <laughs> you know who probably like approved this hire as well, Jim. Uh, I I do. Uh, sorry, I do, I'm still laughing at Steve just rolling <laughs> off camera at these terrible New Jersey puns. Um, it makes me. Steve, happy. No, Steve's worried because the the juicy part of his child's development years are going to be centered around watching Syracuse become New Jersey. 
<laughs> oh. oh, God, help us all. Uh, yeah. Just saying, it's going to be a great time. Uh, I do think that it's interesting to to think about the fact that in this game, there's a good chance that like Chris Beck, well, we know this. Rock, Rock, or sorry, not Chris Beck. I always say Chris Beck. Um, I was talking about the, our offensive coordinators. Um, Rocky Long obviously has been replaced. Whether or not Rocky Long is still on campus is a question that I have. I I don't know if he's still there, if he's just chilling, if he's like, when you're at that age, you can just kind of do whatever you want. Uh, Jason Beck, not Chris Beck, Jason Beck has different life circumstances around that where it appears that he would still like to be a power five offensive coordinator somewhere. Um, and I would assume that he is staying on until there is a new OC named and or he finds an opportunity elsewhere. And I do think that this is something that is really interesting about modern college football with the new timetables. This is such a weird flowing in and out system as opposed to the old days where it used to be very carte blanche. Like at this date, the old guys move their stuff out. The new guys move their stuff in. And I think that like, we don't know if uh, Syracuse is going to retain. It's like director of football operations. It's director of high school recruitment, recruiting coordinators, office staff, video team, like all these things that were very much under the current Syracuse system. They report to Dino Babers or the director of football operations who reports to Dino Babers. And I'm interested to see if that, how much change there is there um, under coach Brown moving forward. And I'm sure these are things that are going to be asked in his press conference, which if you are listening to this live while we're recording, this is tomorrow uh, at 10 AM. If you were listening to this any other time, the press conference is Monday, December 4th at 10 AM when we'll get our first chance to hear from coach Brown in a Syracuse setting. Mike, are you able to make it there? Are we sending anybody to that press conference? Yeah, I'm going, and Dom is also coming with me. So if on the off chance nobody else asks some of this stuff, we will definitely get it in. Uh, this is the fun part about having actual, you know, reporters on the t- on the, on the team. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, we're doing our best to maintain that for next year because uh, there will be a bit of an exodus. I mean, you guys have to grow up at some point. It stinks. <laughs> well, we'll see with me. <laughs> uh, for the record, I just realized something from a article posted on Syracuse.com. Um, we had said that it's all but confirmed, but uh, Jamie Trimble, the uh, four-star tight end recruit that's currently the top recruit in Syracuse's portfolio, uh, did mention that Coach Campanelli mentioned that he is going to be on the staff. So... Uh, that, you know, take the word of a high school recruit. But uh, if if the Syracuse staff is selling that Campanelli is on the staff, then I'm not a doctor, but that probably means he's going to be on the staff. Yeah, and if two players, not just Treble, but the uh, lineman from Pennsylvania as well, also confirmed it, then yeah. Yep. He thinks he's staying. I am... The, I I am of the opinion that keeping Nunzio is probably a great idea just because, again, I think I sent it in the news magician Slack at some point. Um, there's a video of him talking about recruiting in New Jersey, and he is selling a pitch that I think is really interesting. Um, I think Steve and I have talked about this on the pod at some point in time. 
Um, but I, it was interesting to hear. I think one of the things that we haven't touched on yet that we should talk about in these last 10 minutes, wild hack has done a lot of talking this week. Some of it officially, some of it not officially like off to the side, like Chris Carlson has been doing some amazing reporting um, this week with uh, stories. I'm not just saying that because Chris is a friend of news magician and likes us uh, and this podcast. <laughs> um, but I think one of the things that's really apparent from a Syracuse athletics perspective is that they feel that recruiting New Jersey is, and they called out New Jersey and the DMV. And they said that those areas need to be of focus. And I think if you look at Schaefer and if you look at Babers, neither one recruited either of those areas very well. Now look um, at the other sports on campus, specifically men's basketball and men's lacrosse. I was going to say that's a little bit out of my depth, but I feel like our current men's basketball coach made a name for himself by dominating the DMV recruiting space. <laughs> so I, I would, I'm, I, I, I'm no doctor or ge- geographer either, but I think the best player on the Syracuse men's basketball team happens to be from that DMV area. <laughs> Possibly yeah. the best player all time from Syracuse. Possibly, uh, you know the, the that is a that is indeed a rumor that he is indeed from that DMV area as well. Yeah, apparently so, on campus yesterday. So, oh yes. Mm-hmm. Wait, say that again. Mello was at the game. Hmm. Yeah, Mello was Mello Devendorf. Um, yeah, I have a photo. in Georgia, in Georgia, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, Did I say the dome? Yeah, yeah, that's what oh. tricked me a bit. It was a dome, just not our. Yeah, dome. well, you know, it'll be the um, site of it'll be the site where Syracuse is in a couple of years. Twenty twenty five. Don't we're not talking about that now, Christian. <laughs> there's yeah. There's Jeez, there's some exist yet. <laughs> some faces I don't recognize here, but I'm looking at at least in the middle. Eric Devendorf and uh, Carmelo Anthony, uh, specifically a photo where Carmelo Anthony is holding up and cheersing a glass of wine in a group photo. So, you know, things are. Yeah. Yeah. Love Melo. Love, love that guy. (laughs) I mean, because, because we are talking about it, I might as well just pull up on the screen, on the, on the screen right now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There we go. Yep. Um, I don't know who a lot of these people are. I'm assuming that they might be members of, of a management team of some sort, but the fact that they're at the SEC title game to me, like yeah. that actually, I, that actually kind of matters here. Like I'm assuming that Fran Brown got to like have a conversation with them and probably hit them up at some point in time. And that was probably like a really important conversation to have. <laughs> You'd hope so. <laughs> I, well, can't assume anything with Syracuse is, is the moral of the story. Ain't that the that the truth? Oh God. <laughs> um there is going to be a lot of things that break this week, both in recruiting and in uh you know Fran Brand coming on board. I think holistically speaking, we'd like to see that the things kind of come together but the transfer portal is open there's a lot of names in the portal um 
Christian, I'm, I'm just kind of curious, like for you, what, what is the one position you think Syracuse needs to go after aggressively in the portal based off of the names that we see in there? Because the answer can't be every position um, because yes, of course it is. But what does, what does Syracuse need most of all? And can the portal fix it? <laughs> uh, it's tough because for me, there was, there, there's two and it's quarterback and offensive line. Take your pick between both of them. Um, it, you should have just left it at quarterback. You know where my pick was going to be. True. Yeah. All right, Steve. <laughs> Steve. Steve will handle the offensive line, but like, let's let's talk about quarterback. Um, it will get a lot easier for us to kind of narrow down quarterback prospects uh, when Brown introduces himself tomorrow and what he's targeting for his offensive system and eventually his coordinator. Um, so. Hopefully we get some insight on that so that we can kind of whittle down what is the system in place and what kind of quarterback Syracuse should be looking after of the many talented names in the portal. Because as is the case in college football nowadays, portal the portal has a lot of good names in there um, and names with some pedigree in there. So uh, all, all so, of the names when it comes to quarterbacks. Yeah. So, so Syracuse, Syracuse has indeed options. And unfortunately, based on what we've seen from what Syracuse has right now, it looks like they're going to need to look at those options. And I would have liked Carlos Del Rio Wilson and um, and Braden Davis to work out, but uh, CDRW hasn't looked great in the opportunities he's been given. And in a, if we keep on bringing up the 2024 schedule, but we might as well continue to bring it up. Um, in a schedule that looks very, very winnable and very, very ripe for a strong start and a strong foundation to a program, um, especially for a new head coach, yeah, you, you you need someone who can at least sling the ball to to uh, to help achieve those goals. You know what also helps? Big guys. Yeah, people that not let them get put on their asses. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I think Kevin brought it up in an article earlier this week, or he might have said it in the Slack or something. I actually no, it was on Twitter. It was somewhere. Kevin said things. Uh, I like them. That starting five we had this year. And I make a comment here. It was not. I I don't dislike the original healthy starting five. The problem and this this starting five from left to right would have been Enrique Cruz. Kalen Ellis, John Ray Reed, Chris Bleich, and uh, David Wallaba. I was like, what's the first name? Can't remember the first name. Uh, it's almost like he's a junior. I probably should have remembered either of their first names. It's, it's almost like his dad played at Syracuse. Also. I know. This is crazy. But um, like that five, that's, that's fine. Yeah. Yes. Is there room for improvement? Sure. But the problem is, and what we've had at Syracuse these past couple of years, is that beyond the immediate front five, where do you go? Like, there might be one viable backup of the plethora of other linemen we have. Um, As that seems to happen, we have issues with depth every single year because, well, you know what? I may change. I may change my thought as to what we need to do the most. 
Offensive line is there. Strength and conditioning program. Because I don't know what the hell it is or what was being fed to these kids or what was going on, but I can tell you what's not being fed to these kids. <laughs> not a whole lot until last year. Yeah. Yeah. Until we got nutritionists on staff, but uh, I don't know. There, there seemed to be an inordinate amount of injuries, even by normal, like P5 standards for the entirety outside of 2018 of the Babers tenure. Um, I don't know what to, if there's anything we can point a figure finger on, but if we could kind of shore that up, that'd be also great. Uh, I mean, I know what three of us would do here. I'm not sure what Mike would do, but I know what the other three on this podcast would do. (laughs) Um, it, it, it involves the other sport that we have a strong passion for. Mm, Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. That just, uh, can't really work here no they can if we just put a little effort into it <laughs> because oh, i'm pretty man. sure the lacrosse players would like it a whole bunch as well oh they'd love it absolutely but yeah yeah Either i mean way, the yeah. only the only people who probably wouldn't like it is monster jam yeah fair fair um but yeah, I don't know if we also have Real Madrid money, so the likelihood is, you know, uh, a little. I know, tougher. I know, but it's wishful thinking. <laughs> it's it's the hope. It's the hope that keeps me going. For those oh, who don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about getting natural grass and sustaining it because we've seen we've seen people sustain natural grass inside domes. Mm-hmm. Multiple stadiums. Yeah. Multiple stadiums in the U.S. do exactly, but and given how many people, given how many times a lot of people complain about turf, you might want to get to it soon. I'm, I'm, I'm very aware it will never happen until Syracuse gets an ag program, which uh, we don't have. ESF next door. I was going to say, Steve needs to get on that ESF booster group and be like, we will grow the turf for you. Uh, and that is really, that is the make true it, merging some, of ESF and Syracuse. Right, make it some random kid's thesis of like, hey, we want to do this. <laughs> Somebody would be on it. I guarantee it. Oh, uh, man. Uh, Look, yeah. I... Yeah, there's just an ag school next door that we just don't use for anything that we totally could use. Morrisville down the road, you've got Cobleskill, like... Good. Notice all three of those schools we have named as well are also state funded. Yeah, like we can figure this out. <laughs> why haven't we figured? Uh, why haven't we thought about this before? I got to go talk to genius. some professors here now. <laughs> Maybe some people like having the little pellets of turf stuck in their shoes when they go to the on that. I can confirm that is not true. <laughs> and, and, and Mike and I, as media members, who have, who have gone up and down that field a lot. I tell you that's also not fun. Yeah. I'm not sure Andy who when he's when he's um inside a sweat box uh disguised <laughs> as an orange likes that feeling that much as well. I can honestly say I have I'm still finding black pellets in some of my Syracuse bags. Uh it has been, you could find it has been almost 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> like oh there's a piece of the dome I brought with me. Cool. 
Yep. Gonna break gonna bring that to a lab and carbon data to be like, oh, that one's from 2010. Yeah. Ah, this one's mm-hmm, from October mm-hmm. of 2012. Oh, wow. Well, he's gonna do that and then he's gonna sell off random uh random <laughs> random pieces of dome pellet. They're still selling yeah. off the floor. What the hell? Don't get any ideas. That's the next dome giveaway in a men's basketball game. Game. <laughs> Dude, they've got yeah, plenty, they got plenty just, of tins to burn through. It's fine. You know, yeah, put it in the tins. The it's like tins. a sachet in the tins. Yeah, just <laughs> fill the tins with the pellets. You're never going to run out of them. They just seem to regenerate in, like indefinitely. So, congratulations, <laughs> Fran Brown. You've got your new Syracuse giveaway on your first day. Um, <laughs> tins full of dome pellets. I'm I'm all in. New new podcast uh, new podcast title right there. Love it. Pens full of dome pellets. Uh, well, that is it for this week's edition of <laughs> Kind of went off the rails then at the end, but uh, what, if, what was it ever on the rails? Right. It's never on the rails here. On the Fans First Sports Network. Network. Uh, here. Uh, we appreciate all the support that we have. Make sure that you like and subscribe on the podcast platform of choice. Helps us trick the AI into expanding the Ottoman Empire. Uh, thank you for all of you who are tuning in on Twitch to watch all of our ridiculous reactions live. Watch our wonderful screen shares. Highly recommend that as the season goes on. Um, if you are watching this on newsmagician.com, either via audio or uh, video on newsmagician.com, we really appreciate the support uh, of you continuing to follow us over there. And we appreciate the continued support of newsmagician.com. Thank you to Homefield, our uh, partner. As always, remember, use promo code NUNES23, N-U-N-E-S-2-3, for 10% off your first order at Homefield Apparel. Mike, thank you for joining us, and good luck tomorrow at Fran Brown's introductory press conference. Steve and Christian and I will be back next Sunday talking about whatever breaks between now and then. It'll probably be something big. We cannot wait. This is exciting times. Syracuse is going to play a bowl game in the rat's mouth. Go orange. Someone fix Andre or Nana. <laughs> orange.